I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. episode of Biz Talks. I'm Kim Singletary, Managing Editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine, and I've got my little co-host with me today. If you hear some some babbling, that's not me, but I have a very fun podcast today. Um, New Orleans is all about enjoying life, and part of that is enjoying great wine. That is some words of wisdom from my guest today. He is called the Wine Guy over at Commander's Palace, um, Mr. Dan Davis. Welcome, Dan. Hey, I'm thrilled to be here. How are you, Kimberly and co-host? <laughs> yeah, she's peeled up with Cheerios. She's ready to go. Uh, oh, that's wonderful. That was always my favorite when I was her age. <laughs> it makes her very happy. So you are a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommelier. So, so tell everybody, what is that? Uh, what, how, do you, how do you get to be the wine guy? Well, you, I mean, uh, you get to be the wine guy uh, by realizing that the word sommelier can be really intimidating. And, you know, early on, uh, uh, T. Martin, our, our managing partner here, Ella Brennan's daughter, uh, as most of the people who will be listening to this podcast will already know, uh, she and I, uh, when, when I started this journey uh, into running the wine program at Commander's, you know, sommelier is, even when you are one, you have to stop and think how to spell it, let alone pronounce it. So we just decided <laughs> to go with the term wine guy because it's, it's less intimidating. And, you know, you can, you can have a really, really, really serious restaurant and a really serious wine program without taking yourself too seriously. And I think it just kind of shorthands to people that uh, we're nothing if not approachable. Well, and I think that fits the city too. You know, we have Absolutely. some, there's some fancy parts to our city, but we, we even then we don't sure. take too seriously. So we, we all know that it's really pronounced Calliope, but we say Calliope because we're in New Orleans. <laughs> oh, that drives me insane. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> That's just from someone who's not from here. That is a sticking point with me, but um, I've, so I've, I've made my up. peace with it. I, I studied the classics. <laughs> And it drove me crazy for so long, but I've made my peace with it, and now I kind of embrace it. I love it. Okay, so how long have you been over at Commanders? Uh, 17 years. Oh, wow. That's a long time. It um, is. And you guys have been, so you've gotten, helped them get the Wine Spectators Grand Award five years in a row. So is that basically, it's like the, the Oscars of wine? Well, now envision me pushing my glasses up my nose to say, well, actually, uh, it's, 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 we've, we, we achieved that award in 2012 and have, uh, oh, wow. have been, been honored to receive it every year since, uh, okay. including this year. So 10 years, so, please. Right, 10. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think this is, this is our 11th, 11th award. Um, wow. and we're, Absolutely honored and uh, sometimes humbled to be among, I guess, I think there are only 90 restaurants in the world that uh, hold that distinction. So, so we're, what, we're, do you, what do you have to do to get that? Because you guys, you guys have a big collection. You have, okay, and this might not be accurate either, so I'm double checking, 2,600 bottles? Uh, right now on the active list, we have 2,600 labels. Okay. 
uh, across an inventory of 20, 22,000 bottles. Oh, wow. And I have probably 500 labels in reserve. So wines that I have in the, in the cellar that are aging, but not yet on the wine list. Whoa. Okay. That's a lot. And you can, you can. It is. Well, you should more? try count. You should try counting it every month. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Um, so you, you asked what, what it takes to, to yeah. uh, achieve the, the uh, wine spectator uh, grand award. And uh, the honest answer is uh, you don't know. It's a very closely held uh, set of criteria. You, you're given some guidance from Wine Spectator if you're uh, a restaurant of note and you're trying to uh, achieve higher recognition, but they don't tell you exactly what you have to do. Basically, you build the very best program that you can. Um, and uh, they have three levels of recognition they're the, and they're represented by three goblets on, on the awards. Uh, the first level is uh, the Award of Excellence. Um, and they tell you that you need to have several hundred wine selections that pair appropriately with the cuisine that you serve and are stored and served properly. Um, and then the, the first level of real distinction uh, where it whittles down to uh, probably 500 or 700 restaurants have the level two award, which is the best of award of excellence. And that's a little more rigid, but they don't tell you exactly what gets you from one to the other. They have uh, a panel of editors and they have inspectors that come out to the restaurants and take a look at what they're doing. Uh, but they, they don't tell you exactly what they're, what they're doing or what they're looking for. You know, you can kind of figure it out by looking at what the restaurants that hold those distinctions have in common. And I certainly... Uh, spent many, many, many long hours uh, analyzing the wine lists of the restaurants that had achieved that distinction because it was it was a goal of ours. And I, I was fortunate to come up through the business working in some great restaurants. My, my first job in the restaurant business while I was in college was with the Brennan family over at Palace Cafe, which, um, as you may or may not know was kind of the you know t's generation t and dickie and ralph and lauren and all of the cousins uh, the the cousins with a capital c as they referred to their group and generation that was their first foray going out and running a restaurant all on their own and so i remember working there and learning the business there and t and or sorry uh, uh ella and aunt dotty and all of their generation would come in uh, as guests once or twice a week. And it was just amazing to have all of them sitting there and, you know, they're coming in to check out what the kids are doing. No pressure. Yep. Okay. So what is, what is it like being the wine guy? What are your duties? I'm assuming you don't just sit in the back and drink. <laughs> well, you're talking to a restaurateur uh, in the post COVID era. So, uh, Anyone in this business will tell you your duties are everything. Um, on the wine side of things, I'm responsible for the entire wine program, uh, for uh, the selections that are included in our program for long-term strategic planning, which is far more important than you ever realize uh, when you start out in the business. 
Um, I'm planning now for what the program will be in two and three and five and 10 years because a lot of the wines that I incorporate into the program need that amount of time to come around. And I have to be anticipating what the desires of our customers might be at that time and you know planning to have amazing things in the wines by the glass program and you know you don't want to be at the mercy of your suppliers and you certainly right now don't want to be at the mercy of the supply chain and yeah. so it, it, you've, you've got a plan for the future and i'm incredibly fortunate to work for uh, a, a group of people that are willing to invest in the future you know we've this restaurant's been around since the late 1800s, and I think we're going to be here uh, for a little while longer so we can think a little more long term. So, bringing up the pandemic, you guys um, got a lot of attention for how you adapted to the pandemic, and some of that was involving wine. Um, yes. so <laughs> we, we had some fun. Yes. So, in case you were under a rock during that time and did not hear about what was going on at Commanders during the pandemic, um, can you just give a quick overview of what you guys did? Well, <laughs> you know, when you're used to running a very, very busy restaurant with lots and lots of people around and you find yourself suddenly not having a restaurant to run, um, it, it can make you a little bit crazy. And, um, you know, I mentioned I work with an amazing group of people. We also, I think, have a really cool, uh, awesome synergy among our leadership team here where, you know, you can throw some crazy ideas out there and, and sometimes they'll get traction. And we actually, one of the attorneys who's on the board of directors of the restaurant, a dear friend, uh, reached out and asked me if during you know we were all shut down we were closed down there was no restaurant to run we were trying to build a retail operation we we're trying to build a national shipping and you know we probably started 12 businesses and closed eight of them during uh covid but the ones that stuck are are solid uh well ted ted called me one day and said hey you know some some friends you know we get together we have this, you know, everybody had their little pods of people that you could get together with, but they were the only people you would get together with. And he said, you know, my little pod, we do a little wine and cheese get together uh, one afternoon a, a week. He said, I wonder if you would be willing to get on Zoom and maybe guide us through some wines and cheeses. And we have another pod of friends that might want to join the Zoom and just kind of all just taste some wines and cheeses. And it, you know, you, every now and then you have an idea and you hear a bell ring. It was like, wait a minute, that's kind of cool. And then of course, all the creative juices start flowing and I try to make everything far more complex than it needs to be. Uh, so I took that idea, we all chatted, chatted around. We, at first we're going to do that where you could come to commanders and pick up the wines and cheeses. You know, everyone was doing takeout and retail at that time. And the state quite uh, wisely, and I think wonderfully uh, created an exception to the uh, package liquor laws that allowed restaurants to sell some unopened wine to get a little bit of cash flow. And, you know, 
it was a lifeline for, especially for a lot of smaller restaurants, uh, to be able to have some sort of cash coming in and sell off some of the wine that was just sitting around doing nothing. Uh, so anyhow, very long story longer. <laughs> um, I, I just kept adding layers of complexity and I, I good friend of mine uh, who now is in Atlanta, who was one of our, who she was our bar manager at the time. She and I would just sit around and just come up with crazy ideas of what to do. And it all ballooned into eventually after I was able to find a partner on the West coast who could ship nationally, I think all to all but five or six States built partnerships with some uh, importers and built partnerships with St. James cheese and uh, some of the large cheese import companies that they work with and the producers, we basically built what turned into like the, the Tonight Show for wine and cheese. And we built this variety show. We, at the peak of the show, were uh, tasting nationwide with well over 2,000 people uh, wow. all tasting the same wines and the same cheeses at the same time with winemakers dialing in from France and uh, Slovenia and Italy and the cheesemakers from England and uh, just really, really, really cool, amazing show. And we would have musical guests. We some, sometimes would broadcast music live from Tipitina's as the halftime event for the show. Just lots of really cool, fun stuff. Kind of had a little bit of lightning in a bottle um, while everybody was trapped at home and we called it the uh, the Zoom that saved Wednesdays. <laughs> what did that do for commanders? Was that kind of a, a lifeline for you guys? Because I know obviously all the all the restaurants were hurting. Um, well, it, it it did a few things. I'll say first and foremost, it it helped us maintain our sanity. It gave us something for all of the people here who were so used to having so much to do at any given time. Uh, and so many moving parts and you know this big beautiful beast of a restaurant was dark it was quiet and so I think it helped us maintain our sanity to have something to pour our creative energy into um, it certainly had uh, a significant financial return for us at a time when everyone was struggling so desperately uh, to have any kind of positive cash flow but I think the by far the most valuable thing that it did was that it allowed us to remain connected with our customers. Uh, it allowed us to remain, um, to have that sense of service and engagement that is why people get into this business. And that to me is far more important than the, the, the financial rewards uh, that we achieved and more important than giving us something to do on Wednesdays, which was really important. And it was far more than just Wednesdays. There's a, it was a huge production run up for every show. Uh, but that, that sense of engagement and connection uh, is what's, is the lifeblood of hospitality. So we're in part of what we're talking about here today is that you guys have like another wine oriented program going on right now. It's like, a, it's a SIPS program. Is this something that came off of what you guys did during the pandemic or have you done something like this before and and what are we talking about this is an in-person it is yeah so actually this started several years before the pandemic 
during the summers, uh, pre, I'd say four years before uh, the pandemic, you know, it, it, summertime in New Orleans, uh, all of the locals have gotten out of town if they can. Um, there's very few people coming into town in those hottest months of, you know, July and August. There's no convention business because of hurricane season. And so it's just a, it's a, a slow time in New Orleans. And so we would always have a dining room or two during the week that we weren't using. And I came up with the idea one year to do a tasting setup as if, as, as if it were a trade tasting, just the same exact setup that I would walk into as a wine buyer. But we did it for our locals who were still in town. And we called it Sips of Summer. And we partnered with uh, Beth over at Swirl uh, Wine Market down, you know, in, in Bayou St. John. And so she and I choose the wines together. People could come in, taste through 40 different wines at the event. And, you know, we had little uh, small bites from the chef and just, you know, a fun afternoon, happy hour type event. Um, but the opportunity for people who aren't in this business to come in and taste 40 wines and be able to buy them. So they would give an order sheet to Beth at the end, and then they could pick up their wines at Swirl. So that was a really yeah, are fun. These, are these priced all over the place? Are they like just, are we talking more expensive wines? Are they? No, 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 no. Very, very affordable. Um, I think when we started off, the, the tickets to the event were, you know, sub $50. Uh, the average retail price point on the wines was 12 to 15 bucks. So very much something for you to stock your, your, not even your cellar, just to stock your refrigerator and your bar at home with the wines that you want to drink this week and this month. Awesome. Yeah. And so then we would theme them. Uh, we did Mediterranean or islands or rosés or, you know, just whatever fun themes we could come up with. Uh, fast forward to post-COVID, um, and as you know, all restaurants are struggling for staff. Um, yeah. Most businesses in general are struggling for staff. And so once again, we find ourselves with an empty dining room uh, during the week, and it just, someone, I think uh, Camille, uh, our uh on staff marketing genius uh, and um, and Leela were like, hey, we should do the SIPS events again. And I was like, well, yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> so you so, guys started in October, right? No, we did a series through the summer and then oh. we started. So we, we, we always called it SIPS of summer. Uh, this year, we did sips of summer again, as we have in the past, and then we decided to do a few in the autumn because, you know, in, in pre-COVID years, we wouldn't have any empty space. But now, because we don't have enough staff to open the entire restaurant, we have a little bit of empty space, and we thought, let's go ahead and do it in the autumn as well. In the autumn, we do a little more food. We do a, a little higher level of wine, maybe things that you want to gift or things that you want to have with your holiday meals, uh, a little step above everyday drinking wines. So take that retail, average retail price point from the $15, $18 level up into the 20s. And that's what we're doing in the autumn. Um, so 
Last month we did the first, it was a really, really, really fun trip around France. So we did all the best regions of France, uh, including some champagne and some uh, wonderful wines from the South Coast and Burgundy and Bordeaux. Uh, you know, all, the, all these great, amazing regions of, of France that we all know and love. So uh, for Turkey Day, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, it always uh, it always makes me laugh that uh, people want to buy wines or bring wines somewhere for Thanksgiving, and all they think about is the turkey, and even then, just the turkey itself. And so it's invariably let's just get a a, a nice white wine that'll go great with turkey, and uh, they forget that. I mean. At my Thanksgiving table, the turkey is like one of 75 components. <laughs> and even with, even with the turkey, let's, you know, let's think about that. All the different ways that we do a turkey, it's, it's, uh, we can smoke it, roast it, fry it. We even will we'll stuff a duck and a chicken inside it. And that's a pretty complex thing to pair wine with. It needs, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, more than just, uh, you know, just a bottle of Chardonnay. Not that there's anything wrong with a bottle of Chardonnay, but what type of Chardonnay are you going to do? Do you want to pair, you know, your, your really rich, you know, a smoked turkey that you're serving with a, a beautiful mushroom gravy or giblet gravy or, you know, all the different things that we do, um, it needs a wine with a little more substance. And for me, I even tend to go toward red wines uh, with all but the simplest, cleanest, uh, you know, if, if you're just doing a little herb roasted turkey um, that is almost like roasting a chicken, then I think you can get away with a simple white wine. But for most of the turkeys that I eat, most of the turkeys that I see, uh, it needs more substance. And so kind of the, the theming here is showing all of the different types of wines that go with the typical things that we eat at Thanksgiving. And, you know, in, in Louisiana, we have an embarrassment of riches uh, this time of the year. We have, you know, got great briny oysters, blue crab from, the, from Lake Pontchartrain. We have sweet white shrimp from the Gulf. We have redfish, trout duck, pheasant, quail, all of these amazing things, plus the root vegetables that are coming in, the legumes are all coming in that we're seeing a lot in our kitchen right now. And soon, you know, by the time Thanksgiving gets here, we're going to be getting all the great citrus coming up from Plaquemines Parish. So I, I think giving a little more thought to the wines that you want to bring to the holiday table is, uh, is, is worth exploring. All right, we're going to take a quick break um, for a word from our wonderful sponsor, and then we'll come back. And I want to hear a little bit more about the details of CP uh, Sips and um, maybe maybe something like one of your favorites right now um, that people should consider. Energy Smart is here to help. We'll pay up to 100% of your business's qualifying LED or HVAC upgrades. Submit your project today. Call 504-229-6868 or email us at info at energysmartnola.com. Okay, so we're back. So CP Sips 
is the next one is November 9th. So you've got three of them for the fall. One of them was October, just happened. November 9th is the next one. Yes. And uh, you can you can find links for those on our webpage. Just go to commanderspalace.com uh, and look under uh, events. And we have uh, links for tickets to those. I think December is almost sold out and November is selling quickly. So if you think you might want to come and, and taste 45 wines with us and eat some of the best small bites that Chef Meg has to put out. We even did, uh, for the October event, we did uh, Flaming Bananas Foster in the room. Oh, no. Oh, it was, so <laughs> it was a very popular state. Um, so okay so it's 5 30 to 7 at commander's palace and like i said next ones are november 9th and december 7th so if you go on commander's palace website um you can get tickets there i think they're are they 99 what are yes. they yeah 99 dollars a person um so that includes tax and gratuity um so that's pretty good um go get some wine Try out some new favorites. Um, and then on that end, what are you liking right now? Well, any you new know, favorites or things that should be on people's radars? Um, I, you know, I, I may, uh, a lot of, some of the people, some of my friends who hear this will just say, oh, here he goes again. He's going to talk about Beaujolais. <laughs> no. As the weather starts to cool off, um, I start thinking, I'm a white wine drinker. I tend to drink lots of white wine. Um, I love rosés and I love sparkling wines. And of course, you know, if somebody else is buying, I love champagne. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I thought all the really serious wine people were more red wine than white wine. No, it's actually interesting. I, I find that people's palates, the, the normal evolution of someone's palate if they're doing what I do, if they go in this business, you see them, you'll see, uh, you, you, we start off of course with white wines and you get into more and more serious white wines, you start getting into wines with age. Uh, you move up the ladder with sparkling wines to, as you have the opportunity to taste them to wonderfully aged vintage champagnes. And then you move into red wines, starting with lighter bodied reds and moving into the big, bold, massive reds um, but it seems like everybody at some point comes back around to white wines and the ah, magic. I feel the, vindicated. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the magical whites that will bring you back around and that you find people drinking for the rest of their lives are great white burgundy and great Riesling. And Riesling can, you know, a lot of people have this impression that Riesling is yeah. sweet. Uh, a lot of people think of, you know, the <laughs> the uh, famous uh, 60s and 70s Liebfrau Milch, um, which I will tell you, there's absolutely nothing wrong with wine that has some sugar in it. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Riesling has the acidity to carry that sugar and not have it be so cloying and, and, and uh, overwhelming in your mouth that you can't taste anything but the sugar. Um, but also the vast majority of Riesling that is exported from Germany is dry. It's actually a little, a little difficult and expensive to find high quality 
sweet wines from Germany. Um, and most Germans drink dry Riesling. The, the sweet, uh, what we call Pradikat, that's a, a German term for the classification of the sweet wines of the Mosul and some of the neighboring areas there. Um, those wines have lots of sugar and are meant to be aged for a very long time for the most part, because it takes a long time for that sugar to calm down and integrate into the wine so that it's not overwhelmingly sweet. But don't worry about any of that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Look, look for dry Riesling. When you go to a reputable wine shop, tell them you're looking for a dry Riesling. Um, it will change your mind on Riesling. And I promise you, you have great Riesling with food and you're going to come back to it again and again and again. Um, I think you can certainly, if you're doing a crown roast, if you're doing some bigger, meatier items, if you're doing uh, grilled or roast pork, you can move into some more substantial red wines. Another thing that I like to do this time of year for holiday tables is I like, you know, the, the great American grape of Zinfandel that has been uh, celebrated and also panned and um, can be extremely high alcohol. And when I say alcohol, look at the label. And when you start seeing wines above 14% alcohol, that's starting to get some heft to it. When you find producers of Zinfandel, like I, I love Nyers Vineyards, I love Ridge. Zinfandels that have lower levels of alcohol that are just beautiful expressions of blue and black fruit, blueberries and blackberries and all of all of these uh, beautiful fruits coming through in a balanced wine that's not overly alcoholic. I think these are great holiday wines. They're great with all of our foods. I try to avoid red wines with a lot of tannin at the holidays, unless people like a headache. Because I know my mom gets headaches sometimes when she drinks red wine. Well, that's an entirely different podcast. I would love to I would just advocate to you if if a type of red wine gives you a headache it is almost certainly because something is dehydrating you and there's a lot of argument and discussion on what's happening there but I would say have the wine and drink a glass of water, a full glass of water for every glass of wine that you drink, and you're probably not going to get a headache. Ah. Now, if you find yourself on your 10th glass of wine, you can't hydrate yourself out of the headache you're going to get from <laughs> two or three bottles of wine. That's but you know what I'm a saying? separate podcast. <laughs> exactly. Just, you know, uh, everything in moderation and uh, don't forget to hydrate. Um, even wine, you know, you may, you may think, I'm not having cocktails. Well, wine still has alcohol. Um, so I would ad advise your mom when she has that glass of red wine with a steak um, and it has a lot of tannin in it to have a full glass of water. All right. And she probably won't get a headache. Awesome. Uh, All right. Well, we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up, but um, I wanted to remind everybody this, this CP Sips is going on, Sips of Autumn. Are you gonna have like a sips of spring, or or do you guys not know that yet? Well, no, uh, we're probably going to rest until next summer. 
Um, we'll have a big, big party uh, in December for the holidays, and then uh, and then we 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 have uh, well, I, I mean, quite frankly, hopefully uh, by that point, you know, staffing staffing will be back where it needs to be, and we won't have space to do these uh, these events. Um, but we definitely will have uh, sips of summer next year. Uh, so we usually start that in June. So we probably would do June, July, August, or July, August, September, depending. Um, outside of that, I guess my parting advice is, uh, remember if you're the one doing the cooking, it's hard work. You need refreshment. Make sure you... <laughs> Make, make sure you have an appropriate bottle in the kitchen just for you. Absolutely. I drink, was it? I drink with wine. Sometimes I even put it in my food. Or no, I, I cook with wine. I cook with wine. Sometimes I put it in my food. <laughs> oh, I, every time I, I, I think of, uh, of Julia Child with the sherry. And, yeah. and she's like, and sometimes I even put it in the sauce. Yes, exactly. And, and she was, you, I mean, you can't do better than Julia Child. So. No, you can't. You might as well follow her lead. Uh, thank you so much, Dan. This was super fun. And it's nice to talk about some, some uh, kind of a lighter topic and right now. And uh, I, yeah, I encourage everybody to go online and grab their tickets. I'm definitely going to I need something a little on the calendar to look forward to. So um, but I appreciate you sharing your time and your expertise. Well, make sure you bring your co host. <laughs> yeah, that'll be like, uh, I don't know if that would ruin things for everybody, but yeah. <laughs> but she she definitely has inspired me to get the tickets. So absolutely. Well, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.